52 episodes, 52 ordinary people, 52 real stories about things that affect overall health. Because there is a lot more that goes into being healthy than food and fitness. Inspiration, support, a new perspective, and knowledge. You'll find that and more here on the Health Ability Project. Hi, welcome to the Health Ability Project. I'm Robin McKenna. Today in the U.S., it is estimated that one in five children ages 12 to 18 are bullied during the year. Students who reported being bullied scored lower in reading, mathematics, and science than their peers, and thousands of children skip school each year because they are being bullied. Bullying can affect self-esteem and the ability to form lasting relationships. It can also manifest as physical illness. Children who witness bullying are also affected. One bright point to note is that more than half of bullying situations stop when a peer intervenes on behalf of the person being bullied. Here to share his story about how bullying affected his overall health and well-being is Steve Spiro. Steve started his first company in advertising right out of college. He contributes much of his success to a strong work ethic, a can-do, never-quit attitude, discipline, integrity, and fearlessness, which he cultivated in the martial arts. He holds a fourth-degree black belt in karate and first-degree in jiu-jitsu. Pivoting from advertising to technology, Steve is now a business automation consultant. He is passionate about self-development. Through speaking engagements, coaching, and mentoring, he inspires people to get out of their comfort zone. Steve is a master connector with over 35,000 contacts. He does a LinkedIn live broadcast every week called the Master Connector Show. Welcome to the Health Ability Project, Steve. We're really glad to have you today. Thanks, Robin. I appreciate that. And thanks for the uh, intro. It's uh it's crazy when I hear that. I'm like, uh, is that, are they talking about me? What's that all about? You know? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, and I think it's also very telling that the stats that I've just shared are today's stats. And at the time in life when you were being bullied, bullying wasn't a priority. It wasn't even really talked about, was it? No, I mean, it was uh, something that uh, just happened. And, you know, because there was very little public awareness, you know, like you said, the cyber billing you hear about. But with uh, with me, it was just living a life of quiet desperation, so to speak, and actually didn't even think much about it at the time. It just was the way my life was, you know? Right. So what happened? What is your story? Did it start early in grammar school? Was it more high school? Yeah, I mean, and I, hopefully this is not a woe is me. Hopefully uh, the, your listeners will, will be inspired because I believe we're either a victim or a victor, right? So mm-hmm. I've been able to take the stuff that happened in my life and turn it around. Mm-hmm. But back then, yeah, I was, I was an awkward kid. My dad was working all the time. He was a bit of an awkward kid. He told me later on in life when I was a, well in my adulthood that he was bullied and picked on as a kid. Mm. My dad never, never showed me how to fight. You know, he didn't you know, do the the usual thing that the rite of passage where, you know, you have a parent or father that does that with you. And I was awkward around girls as a kid. I was just, I was just awkward. In fact, my nickname, my last name being Spiro, they came up with the name Spaz as my nickname, right? So it was uh, just who I was, right? And, uh, you know, I was definitely just awkward. And 
And so there was there was guys in the neighborhood that just for whatever reason bullied me and and you know verbally and then it became physically for some reason I guess stubbornness is part of my DNA I just didn't take it and so I wound up getting you know arguing back or whatever and and got into a bunch of fights with with certain people from the neighborhood and that was it. I mean, you know, that's how it started. I just, I guess I was awkward. I was, you know, I didn't, uh, I had zero people skills. My, uh, you know, growing up, there was no social skills. My, again, family never had guests at the house and I didn't know, I didn't see people skills. And and so I think I, I probably rubbed people the wrong way. I was probably a little abrasive. I, I'm sure I was. I definitely was because I, I brought that into my adulthood as well. But yeah, that, that's kind of- siblings. I had two sisters, two younger sisters, okay. and um, regrettably, my middle sister caught the brunt of that anger because I would I would beat up on her a little bit, which was not good. I'm not proud of that, but that's what I did, and it's just not good. But um, there was no help there. If I had an older brother, older sister, maybe, but very little parental support. My mom was a working mom when I became in my teenage years. My dad was always working. Then they eventually split up when I was about 12 years old, so... Yeah, I was just on my own, doing whatever and, I could do to survive. And this started in grade school and went through high school, or did it stop when you got to high school? So I don't think I've shared this publicly much, but uh, I, I started getting hanging with the wrong crowd at about 12, 13. Um, started to get around people that were indulging in smoking pot. Let's just say it like that, okay? Just to frame this, was this in the 60s, the early 60s, the mid 60s? Oh, not that old. 60s? Not that old yet. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, probably <laughs> 70s. And so I started getting around that crowd to try to try to attempt to fit in. And again, not, not as much physically, but verbally abusive and just not very good. So long story short, I want to go in with a bunch of people to a big park in the neighborhood. There was a drug deal. I kind of knew what was going on. I wasn't there to purchase anything. I got uh, the big raid on the park. Cop cars come in and yeah, they, they they surrounded us and made us empty our pockets. I was actually carrying a switchblade in my pocket, believe it or not. I was like, again, I was trying to be like cool kid. You know, I was just trying to fit in and um, got put in the back seat with another guy, uh, back seat of a car, of the police car, and taken into the station. Now, I'm too young to get officially put in jail. But my parents picked me up, and, you know, I did my best to tell my my mom and my parents that I, you know, wasn't doing anything. It just was there. It was just a coincidence. But they want to put me in a, into a drug program, believe it or not. Now, I wasn't, like, super addicted. I was just doing it to fit in. Mm-hmm. But but that's what they did. And, and actually, that was really good because it got me away from – it was a uh, day program or an evening program. It wasn't like I was there full time. I'd have to commute up from the Bronx to New Rochelle. So it was, a, I was taking a bus as a, as a teenager up to this place. There were guys that were hardcore addicts, like recovering addicts, right? Heroin and cane. It's crazy. Here I was a pretty much casual, you know, marijuana smoker, basically, you know, but it was interesting. And I, you know, I just sort of, I just like disassociated myself with those old friends. And I had this new community that I was a part of. And, you know, initially people like they would heckle me, like, what are you, are you too good for us now? And because I just ignored them and then just sort of separated myself. And I created this anger within myself 
this anger that I was able to channel into different ways and say, I'm going to, I'm going to be better. And for years I channeled that, that anger that I don't know what you would call it to say, I'm going to show you and, you know, went on to be, you know, successful in business, went on to get a double black belt, uh, two different black belts. I was going through that, always thinking, okay, I'm going to show you. Right. And uh, you, you thought I was a loser. Let me show you. Now I never went back ever and showed them, but in my mind, that's what I did. So the experience of being bullied drove you to this crowd that was not good for you. And yeah. um, the anger and resentment that built up inside of you from being bullied, you really converted into a positive force to to drive yourself forward and yeah. uh, really just kind of change the course of your life. Yeah, I really am very grateful to a degree that I was. Now, I'm not condoning it, but it really shaped me. I, I one other thing I'll, I'll tell you is because of all this pain and hurt that I've had, I, I want to, and I'm not proud of this piece of it, but it, it just shapes me. Mm-hmm. I became numb to pain. I became numb to, so I would go to my sisters when I was a little younger uh, and I would say, okay, here's my hand, bite it, pinch it, scratch it. No pain. I was able to block the pain. Mm-hmm. I really was. And then martial arts came into the picture I was a little older as a, you know, late teens, early adult. And the philosophy in the martial arts I was going to train in was show no pain, show no emotion. I'm like, oh, this is great. I'll fit right in here. I'm good at that, you know. And so it allowed me to sort of just block out pain. And that was okay. And, you know, I, I almost felt like it allowed me to be this sort of superhero in a way, in my own mind, right? I was going to be this invincible superhero where, you know, bullets will bounce off me, so to speak. And and that worked for a while. It kind of gave me the strength to move forward. Mm-hmm. But then you fast forward and I was blocking and isolating everybody, showing no emotion, and I wasn't connecting with people. Mm-hmm. And that was where, you know, where I had to make a, a new shift in my life. But for quite a while, it was this protective force that allowed me to move forward and adapt into my adulthood. Mm-hmm. Was there a specific point where you decided to turn the emotion on and feel the pain or was it just something that came gradually over time? I think it's a combination. I think what happened was, so I had this illustrious advertising career and getting my double black belts and it was great. And I was feeling success and, and all that. And then, feeling like I think there was, there was something missing and I knew I wanted more. I knew I wanted to make an impact. I really felt like I was very self-absorbed, self-focused. And then uh, through a good friend of mine who introduced me to a very successful entrepreneur who was the person who got me on this path of self-development, you know, books and audios and networking and kind of started to, to show me a, a, another way. You know, my dad was an entrepreneur, but really an employee that owned a business and I didn't have, you know, this true entrepreneurship uh, mindset. And he started to show me this this new way. And then through self-development, I started to grow. But I started to see and feel shortcomings. And the gentleman that I met, I mentored by, he would say to me things like, there's something off about you. I can't put my finger to it, right? Mm-hmm. And what it was was that I was just blocked off. I was, you know, I, was, I had a shell around me. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't it's a protective with mechanism. It that was you, a protective you established yeah. very early on in your life. Yeah. yeah. So he would say it for years and I, I just didn't get it. I just, I just 
didn't get it. But over time, you know, I, I was exposed to books like How to Win Friends and, and you know, the books like The Go-Giver and things like that. And I started to see it, the shift a little bit. And then it, there was a couple of situations that happened. I only did it once. And I haven't done it ever since. But I went away to a silent meditation retreat. I think it was three nights and four days. And um, yeah, it was, it was a really cool experience, really a little bit bizarre for me because in addition to people sitting around meditating, they were also, there were these rooms where you just, people would walk back and forth doing moving meditation. And it was, and you, you weren't supposed to look at people in the eye at all. So it was just strange, just strange people walking and not saying anything to any. It, it, and how it, old were you? Were you? In oh 40s, yeah. This, 30s, we're, we're talking 40s? about like, uh, I think early forties by that point. Okay or mid forties. And I remember that it, early on in this experience, I remember it, just, it just seems so simple. It almost, I think it's bizarre, but I remember in this, and it was a beautiful environment, you know, a lot of wood and, and we were in this big woods. And I remember looking out a window or maybe I was sitting in the porch and I looked at a, a bird on a tree or something. And I don't remember, I just said to myself, you know, it's okay. You're okay. I'm okay. They're okay. It's okay. I say it now and I think like, but it really gave me peace within myself. Like I'm okay. And I started to say to myself, you know what? I've got worth. I've got value. I've I've done years of self-development. I've grown. And so that was a piece of the puzzle that helped, that helped me. So you basically let go of everything that you've been carrying. All of the anger, resentment. Yeah. Yeah, I let go of the resentment, the anger. I, I let go of a lot of the compare game. I was a huge compare game, but I still had some of it. So then, you know, fast forward further, I, I read a book called Wild at Heart. It's a it's a book. It's a Christian based book, but it, I'm not pushing out on anybody. But I, but it, it had some good messages, and it talked about kids and the rite of passage. And I realized, you know, I didn't have that. And so I was, uh, I didn't have like a father figure. And and I thought that my mentor for me would, would be that figure. And he was to a degree, but his mentoring style was very sort of, you need to fix this. You need to fix this. Not, not accepting nurturing, but more of a, you know, kind of like a, like a college coach yell at you kind of a little bit. He didn't yell at me, but you know, that kind of like, you need to do this. You need to do that. And, and here's what you're doing wrong. You need to fix this. And I realized I probably didn't have a, a father figure t- to do that rite of passage in the book. I think it says, like, you know, right around maybe seven or eight or nine. I forget the age. Mm-hmm. We have this rite of passage thing. And my sister had told me about this therapist that she saw who was a clergy. He was he seemed like a good guy. She spoke super highly of him. Older man. OK, let me let me go and just see what it would you know, what it would be like. And and I, I think we I probably went to like maybe five or six sessions. It wasn't a long thing. And after like the third or fourth session, he goes to me and he says, he says, Steve, can I be honest with you? I say, does that mean you haven't been honest with me all along? He he laughed. But he said, you know, I I have a lot of people that sit in your seat right here. And I, and I hear them and they're a mess and they are like, they're a mess. I'm not going to tell you about them because that would break, you know, client confidentiality, patient confidentiality, whatever. But you're amazing. And, you know, and he went through my resume, so to speak, and what I've accomplished. And he said, you're, you're awesome. Like, why are you comparing yourself with others? You've got such, mm. and, you know, I had heard it for years, Robin, I heard the, you know, you'll always be a second class, somebody else, but you'll be a first class you. I heard it for a long, long time, but 
I finally believed it. I finally believed it. And I said, you know what? I do have value. And the gentleman that mentors me, he's, he's, he's very charismatic and he's funny and he's, you know, he could start welling up off, you know, off of any topic and get emotional about. And I didn't have any of that. And I always thought, oh, man, I, I should be that. I need to do that. I need to. And you know what? I realized I have other qualities and I have, I'm awesome in other areas. And maybe he's weak. I'm not saying he is, but maybe he's weak in those areas. But I'm strong in these areas. So let me accentuate. Let me play up what I am good at. People would always tell me you're very sincere. And I started getting authentic about my background. And I started to realize that I'm good. And now I feel like whenever I enter a room, whether it be a virtual room or a physical room, the room is better because I'm here. Not in an ego sense, but because of the value that I can bring from all the experience I've had, all of the all the things I've overcome, all the books and audios that I've put into this noggin of mine, you know? And so it's a shift. So I think those two pieces were big shifts, but it's always been, there's been growth. It's just wearing on that, wearing away at that shell that I had, I had built up. You know, one of my favorite bands is Pink Floyd and again, dating myself here, right? And my favorite song, and even the movie was awesome, was The the Wall, right? And he talks about in the movie and in the song how he built a wall. And it was like, I mean, I would tear up because I'm like, I so relate to that, that concept, that story, that that movie, that, you know, the whole the whole thing. I related to it. But but I was able to tear down that wall. And it's been amazing. It's interesting, too. You know, you talk about coming to a point in your life where you embrace what you are and what you're not. And you, you know, as they say now, you know, speak to your wheelhouse, right? So there's something very powerful about that. And it does make a huge difference to let go of the things that you are not going to be. We all have different traits and characteristics. And, you know, to be able to let go of what you're not and focus on what you are and, and share those gifts with people is very powerful. Yeah, I enjoy and lead with a weakness. We lead with my weaknesses. When I talk to people and I have a connect call, I'm going to tell them about my my bad. Now I've overcome it. So like it's it's I've I've learned you don't want to kind of share your dirty laundry when you're in the middle of it. But when you could speak of that, you've overcome it. And I love doing that. And people's walls go down, and then they they share some of their challenges over the years. And some people open up and do share their dirty laundry. Rarely, but that that happens as well. But I find it's it's amazing. It's super fulfilling to be able to do that and to be able to not only share the weaknesses, but but share what I'm strong in. And I'm always looking to inspire people and help them like I've been able to get out of their comfort zone. If, if I can do that, I've got a book that'll be coming out uh, end of September, hopefully, God willing. Um, and it, the book is going to be called The Dow which means the way of, and, and I think it's a, it's a Mandarin word, the Tao of a master connector. And, and it's going to be a fun of parables and stories. And I'm going to share a lot of my background and some of my philosophy, but, uh, but a big part of the, and the four pillars being overcoming obstacles, uh, you know, having the grit to overcoming obstacles. One is going from inward and self-focused to others focused. Third being a go-giver, sorry, the go-giver is that second pillar. And then uh third is being uh connecting authentically, which is what we're talking about. And then the fourth is growing a community and building out your connections. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that book is going to be me sharing all that, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. So it seems that your 
your journey is really a full circle journey. You know, the experience of being bullied led you to a world of isolation and disconnection. And now you're a master connector. It's really amazing when you think about it. And what would you say? I mean, bullying is so much more now than it was. And that's not to take away from the experience that you or anybody else had in the 70s, the 60s, whenever. But it is so much more severe now due to cyberbullying. And, you know, I had read that there are really six types of bullying. And, I, you know, we won't get into that here. But, you know, verbal being the most common and, and cyberbullying and social media bullying being probably the most widespread. What can you offer to people who are being cyberbullied? Uh, you know, is it, do, you, do you feel that the four pillars in your book really can also guide them through that? Or do they need to take different measures, get off the, get off the screen? Yeah, I, I wish I could give really good advice on that. I, do I think that my book would help them? Yes. Do I, do I feel like they can find peace within who they are? Yes because I've done it. And if, if this guy could do it, anyone could do it mm. for sure. I think just find peace within yourself and know that you're great. You're awesome. And that's going to happen probably in your own version of your journey. Right. So just, I would definitely just encourage you to, you know, like I did, I, you know, and then granted it was not through cyber, but I kind of disassociated myself. You know, if you're getting cyber bullied, maybe you unconnect with those people and, but just listen, others' opinion of you does not determine what your value is, right? That's their opinion. They don't know you. So I know that's easy to say, but but I've learned it over the years because I still, still have my share of people that want to say stuff about me. I've got some, uh, not a lot, but a couple of negative blogs with people that, you know, written. Sure. And it's so not true, but you know what? Who cares? It's like, yeah. it's... You know, you want to have that opinion. Great. And most of the time, in a lot of cases, and I don't know if this because I'm not a, an expert by any means on cyberbullying, but I know that the blogs that have written a couple of things that are written on me are just um, they're written by anonymous people. Mm-hmm. So they got no guts. Right. To uh, if you're going to if you're going to say yeah. something about somebody. Why don't you come forward and say who you are? Right. Rather than being anonymous about it, right? Because that means you don't got any guts. I'm using the, the a polite word, but I'd like to use a, a better word, you know? Well, thanks very much, Steve. This has been really enlightening. Your story's amazing, especially how full circle it is. And thank you. Well, I appreciate it. It was an honor to, to speak for you and your community. And, you know, my, my hope and prayer, you know, is when I get to speak is that it's going to inspire somebody else and help them also get out of their comfort zone and, and feel better about them. And, and being master connector is great. I mean, you you know, it's amazing how going from this introverted shy kid to today, the quote unquote master connector and anyone can do it too. I re- they really, if they want to, they can as well. Thanks again. And thanks to our listeners. If you like today's episode, please like us, share us with your friends, subscribe. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can reach us at thehealthabilityproject at gmail.com. Thanks very much. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us today at the Health Ability Project. We'd love to hear from you, so please email us your questions, comments, or suggestions, including future guests, to the Health Ability Project at gmail.com. And please like us, subscribe, and share us with your friends.